Welcome. We're glad that you're here this uh, this morning. Uh, how many have a, uh, you, you never forget anything, Photo, a photographic mind? How many got one of those? How many used to have one of those? You can't remember, can you? You know, <laughs> but I find that I've, as I've gotten more mature, I've gone to post-it notes to remind myself of things. And so this is going to be a busy day. I've got two post-it notes right here. That I'm going to deal with them later, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Hey, listen, <clears throat> you've, so, you've seen these signs that says, oh, uh, this is dealing with our mission emphasis. The month of March, we emphasize missions. And uh, all is the emphasis. Mark 16 talks about going to all the world and preach the gospel. We have a responsibility for all. Amen? Would you agree with that? Amen. All right. We have a responsibility to the all. And all are responsible. I think it's very important to understand that, that we realize that. It's just not that we're to reach everybody. That's, that's what the Bible says, going to all the world and preach the gospel. But also, you know, we have a responsibility to likewise be involved. And I, I hope you're excited about that. Don't you want to be involved with what God's involved with? You know, I, I'm interested in that. I trust that you are as well. And so start praying about that. Uh, next Sunday, we, we're going to be kicking off our, starting our mission emphasis on Sunday. Uh, during the week, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, we'll be talking more about that and all. The fellows will be coming in. We have a church planner coming. I'm really excited about church planners. I, I'm grateful that they're out there getting the job done. And so we'll be talking about that. And then the ways that we can get involved with reaching this area for Christ and all. Are you enjoying the book of Revelation? They're coming at 930. It's a, it's a wonderful study. I encourage you, uh, if you really want to study the Bible, the book of Revelation in detail, you need to come during that time. They're really doing it in detail. Now, I'm sharing with you the book of Revelation chapter 1 this morning. So you want to turn there in your Bibles, your iPads, nooks, whatever you got. And if you don't have one, look beneath the thing. There's some Bibles, I think, in the chairs there. And I want you to we're going to go verse by verse through this uh, particular chapter. Uh, uh, you know, through the years, uh, you know, I've been speaking now. I, you know, I'm about, uh, about, I'm about 45 years old. And uh, I've been speaking for well over 50. And, uh, and so I've taught the book of Revelation a lot. But this time, it's been different for me. The chapter 1 has been a remarkable chapter. And even though I've read it over and over and again, uh, this is the living book, isn't it? It's a wonderful book, and it doesn't matter how many times you've read it, you know, God gets you in a particular situation for you to be able to understand what he's saying, and, and that's really what uh, uh, chapter one has done for me, and so I, I follow along with me. Remember last week, uh, we dealt with chapter one, verses one and two. I'm going to give you a quick, quick review and then get to verse nine, but verses one and two, we, we talked about uh, that John, the apostle, the last, the last apostle, he was in his 90s. Uh, certainly what he didn't realize was one, one of the most exciting parts of his ministry was getting ready to happen. He may have thought that the good days were behind, but that was not the case. And let me tell you what I find about serving the Lord. The good days are ahead for us. And, uh, you know, even though sometimes we, if things do look bleak, we need to understand that God's in control. And I'm sure that some of the things that was happening to John, I mean, you know, he was beaten, uh, as I talked about last week, and uh, he was boiled in oil. And uh, it's amazing the things took place in his life, but he was faithful, and, and it's exciting to realize that. So John, uh, verses 1 and 2, we realize he's the recorder. Uh, verse 3, we talk about those blessings to folks that, that read the Word of God and listen to the Word of God 
and do what the Word of God says. There's blessings. You know, so many times, say, well, I want God to bless my life. Here's an easy way for that to happen. Get into this book. Read this book. Study this book. You know, the book of Revelation wasn't given to satisfy the curiosity of the church. It wasn't given to them a very novel thing to read. It was given to them as encouragement and, and, and as hope in a very dark and difficult time. And so verse 3 talks about that. Uh, verse 4 talks about, verses 4 and 5 uh, deal with the reality uh, of uh, uh, that God is working in their lives. Uh, he knew that, that fiery trials were coming. Uh, he wanted to give them hope. That's the reason for the book of Revelation. Uh, verses 5, he talks about the book being dedicated to Jesus Christ. Uh, as you read the book of Revelation, you're going to find something very consistent. Every chapter, almost every page, is talking about Jesus Christ. We have a tendency to, to talk about the beast and the dragon and all the things that are going to happen there in the book of Revelation, but he talks about Jesus. A neat thing in verse 6, he talks about that we are a priest, made us priests. And you know what that means? That means that we have access to God. That I don't have to go to someone else to get access to God. I can go to him freely, and God will answer and deal with me. Uh, verse uh, uh, verse uh, uh, 7 and 8 uh, talks about how he's coming to defeat the evil and how he's going to establish his reign. This is the climax of the tribulation period, seven years before that. Uh, certainly the rapture will take place. We've talked about that. We talked about that we don't have to panic, that we need to be urgent. This is the thing that I so encourage you today. You need to be urgent about the things of God. Amen? I mean, we, there needs to be an urgency about what we're doing. There needs, not, not a panic, if you will, but an urgency, because we, we have a message to deliver. We have a message that will change people's lives. And so we need to get that message out. That brings us to verse 9. Are you ready? Verse 9, here we go. I, John, who also am your brother and companion of tribulation. We talked about that last week, how that very simple word, he was stoned, he was beaten, he was boiled in oil, and, uh, and that's what the tribulation he was aware of. Have you ever talked to somebody, and you're going through a hard time, and you're talking to them, and you know they understand. They understand what you're going through. This is the situation we find John. He understood the unbelievable suffering and difficulty that was going on here. Look at verse, again, verse 9. And in the kingdom of patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that's called Patmos. Why were you there, John? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Tribulation and problems have a purpose. I think it's so very important to understand that, that God's just not playing around with you. God's not trying to torture you, if you will. The difficulties and problems that we go through have a purpose. I don't know about you, but that, that's encouraging to be aware of that. These things that we're facing, there's a reason we're going through the things that we're going through. There's a purpose behind the things that we're going through. Verse 10, if you would keep reading. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, the Pergamos, unto Thyatira, and to Sardis, unto Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Now, it's important what's going on here. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I've really enjoyed the chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, and as I've been studying it and, and reading it, and allowing the Lord to deal with my heart about it. There's been several things that, that he's brought to my attention. And one of the things was this. I'm so grateful and thankful that John heard God. 
I'm glad his ears were open to hear what God had to say. I wonder how many times we come to a service like this and, and God is speaking to us, but we don't hear him speaking. Oh, we're so distracted about stuff. And I'm glad that John wasn't, that John was not distracted. He was listening to what, what God had to say, and, and, and he was opening up to what God wanted him to do. I don't know about you. I want to do what God wants me to do. How about y'all? Amen? Whatever God wants for us, we want to do that. And so John was listening to God. I believe he did that on purpose. You know, it's easy, particularly this form of communication, it's easy when someone's up here speaking, it's easy to drift off, isn't it? Isn't it? No, not when I'm speaking. Amen. Those other churches you went to. Amen. But, but, but it's difficult when someone's speaking up here. I know as if, you know, you, you start to go into a zone and all of a sudden, you know, you start counting ceiling tiles. There's, by the way, there's 1,400 of you wondering. And, uh, you know, or you start counting lights and you wonder how many light bulbs are in those things really, you know. And if you're not careful, it's very easy to distract, get distracted and to drift off. And, and, and the word of God is coming forth and you're kinda, kinda, it kind of goes over your head. And so you've got to work at this thing. You see, you've got to work at listening. And John was, was listening. Now, I realize that God got his attention. I realized he was, going, he was on the Isle of Patmos. I realized not long before that he had, that they tossed him in boiling oil. Not long before that, they, they beat him. And I'm sure that probably if John would have written the last part of his life, those were not the things that would have been in there. But they were. And, and I'm so glad that John didn't become bitter. Or, you know, why is these things happening to me? I'm, I'm so glad that, God, that John was listening. My, my prayer for you this morning, you need to listen to God. He's got something to say. So what was it? Verse 12. And I turned to see the voice of that spake with me. Being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. I'll come back and talk about that in a minute. But what he's getting ready to show us here is the glorified Christ. Whoa. I can't even imagine what this must have been like. Look at verse uh, 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, and girt about the paps with golden, a golden girdle. His head and his hair were white like wool, and as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, and, and as if they burned in the furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters, and, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun, and, and, and shined in his strength. And what's going on here? We see that, you remember, they took John from Patmos and took him to heaven, and, and, and it was kind of being revealed, and he was seeing all these things, and this is how he's describing all these things. And what, what an amazing thing that must have been like. Man, what an exciting thing for him. But that first thought, the one there in verse uh, 12, he talks about the seven golden candlesticks, uh, what he's dealing with here. How many have ever been to Cracker Barrel? And we'll admit it. Well, at Cracker Barrel, have you noticed on their, on their tables they have that thing there? What's that called? A light lamp type thing? It's kind, of, it's kind of a lamp. And what is inside the lamp? Oral. <laughs> My mother-in-law used to call it oral, did she, Charlotte? <laughs> she called a lot of things strange. Anyway, and uh, I got... No, gosh. I don't want to drift, but, but anyway, there's oil in those uh, lamps, and their lamp stands, 
And this is kind of the best, best understanding of what he's talking about here. Uh, what he's talking about here is these lampstands were there, and, and as the oil went in, uh, this is what caused the light to come forth. It, it wasn't the, the lamp itself wasn't the, uh, what generated the light. It was the oil in the lamp that brought the light, you see. And it's very important to understand this is what he's talking about here. How that, and he's going to talk about this more as we go into the book of Revelation, but it's important to understand that it's a, if you want light, you've got to have oil. Am I, am I going too fast? Okay. And so if you want light, you've got to have oil. And if there's no oil, there's no class. Man, you guys with it. Okay, so, we're so, so far, so good. And so we realize then if, we, if we're going to have light, we need oil. And there's no light. The problem is there's no oil. And I think it's important what he's talking about. We, we, need to, we need to be filled with that oil. We need to be filled with that spirit if we want the light in our churches to be what they need to be. And this is what he's going to be talking about over and over again in chapter 2 and 3. The right things need to go in there. You need to be careful what you put in the lamp. So many times we're not careful. We put in things like preferences and traditions and entertainment. And we wonder why there's no light in the churches. We wonder why there's no power in churches today. The reason is there's no oil. I don't care how good you are at what you do or how talented you may be or how much stuff you have. Without the oil, there's no light. And I'm thankful what John saw here. He saw the oil going into these lights. He saw the glorified Christ. What an amazing thing that was. Look how he responded in verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell and his feet is dead. Worship. Worship. I'm afraid that too many of our churches, we've lost the awe and the worship and the wonder of Christ and his book. When John saw this, it so overtook him, he fell at his feet as dead. It's interesting how the Lord responded. Look at verse, again, verse 17. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not. Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth, and he was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Wow. I'm so thankful that when this was taking place and John responded the way that he did and and I'm certainly great fear was on him because of what he was seeing. I'm, I'm so glad that the Lord reached out and, and touched him and said, you don't be, don't be afraid. I got this. Don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Don't, you don't have to do that. I mean, you know, hey, I've got the keys of hell and death. I've got all the authority that I possibly need that is needed anywhere. I've got this. And we say so many times that God's in control until he is, and we wonder what we, what we were saying. that we, we believe God's in control. We make a statement like that, but what we're actually saying, we want God to do the things the way we think they ought to be done. And if he does that, God's in control. Well, I'm persuaded God's in control whether you like it or not. And I don't believe he needs our stamp of approval. I don't believe he needs to say, hey, you can do it that way. We're going to do it the way God would have us to do it because God's in control. Well, John's finishing up. And these last two scriptures have really ministered to me over the last two or three weeks. We're living in a scary world. Would you agree with that? The book of Revelation is a scary book, if you really read it. When you get into 
you get out of three and four, which we'll be in from time to time over the next several months, you get into chapter four of the book of Revelation, you better buckle up. I mean, there's things getting ready to happen and things you're going to see that are going to, as the kids would say, going to blow your mind. I mean, if they're so intense and they're so dramatic and they're, so, they're just so life-changing, you can't hardly take it in, if you will. And you may be here this morning and maybe that's kind of how your life is right now. I mean, your life is so, so scary. Maybe it's with your children or with your grandchildren and, or, or you're looking about what's going on in our country and you, you're looking at all the things that we're seeing and you're thinking, man, this is a scary world that we're living in. How in the world are we going to make it? Verses 19 and 20 kind of helps us. The verse 19, write the things which thou hast seen, chapter 1, and the things which are, chapter 2 and 3, and the things which shall be hereafter, chapters 4 through 12. For years I've actually known... And, and times I've taught the book of Revelation, I've actually always made those kind of statements that chapter 19 that in the book of Revelation is the outline for the book of Revelation. But as I have been studying more about this and all, and been aware of more of what I'm looking at, the Lord kind of shared a couple other things with me. There in verse 19, what's happening is God is giving us guidance and direction in a scary world. God, God is helping us to understand some things, and, and God wants us to know what we need to do. And, and as we go into the book of Revelation, like I said a few minutes ago, it's a really scary book on some of the stuff that's going on, and God is going to give us guidance and direction when we go through this book to help us to understand what's getting ready to happen. And you may be here this morning, and your life is pretty much scary right now. Uh, you're sitting here, and you're putting on the Christian smile. You ready? Christian smile. And then you're doing the Christian lie. How are you doing? Fine. It's been a long time since you've done fine. But we do that because, after all, that's what we're smart. We're expected to do that. You know, we're, we're coming to church. We're expected to lie, aren't we? And so we do that kind of stuff. But in reality, things aren't going really well in your life. Things are not working out the way you thought they would work out. Uh, if, you're, if you're really immersed into our country, particularly what's going on right now, you may look at this and be just appalled by some of the things that you're seeing and some of the stuff that's going on, and you may be really fearful. And let me tell you this, God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. So God's not giving us fear. It's not what he does. And so verse 19 spoke to me that God is going to give you guidance and direction. But that's not all. Look verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in thy, my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. And what he's sharing with us here for us to understand, God wants us to understand what's happening. Uh, when you look at verse 20, he's, this mystery, let me tell you about the mystery. Let me tell you about what I shared with you. This is what this, these things are. Sometimes I get around people and they talk about the Word of God like it's something that God doesn't want you to understand. I'm persuaded that's not true. God wants you to understand this book. It's important that you understand this book. God desires that for you. I mean, to me, the last two verses of this particular chapter are saying, I'm going to give you guidance and direction and I'll help you understand what's happening. Don't worry, it'll, it'll work out. And so this morning, we know that as you study the book of Revelation, particularly as we look at this particular chapter, we know that God is, is preparing us. God is getting us ready for what he wants us to do. God has something for this church to do. We are not here simply to occupy space. 
God has things for us to do. And my question this morning to you, are you ready? Are you ready for what God has for you? Are you listening to God? When's the last time God spoke to you? God, I mean, what, what is the band? Shouldn't that be a problem for us? Uh, the Bible, of course, God speaks to us all the time. That we, need to, we need to listen. What is causing us not to hear God? We are so distracted today. There's so much stuff out there distracting us from what God wants us to do. So God wants us to listen. I almost feel like that God's coming down to us. I'm coming to you. It's my granddaughter, by the way, so I can do this. And saying, Reagan? She needed that, didn't she? Okay, that's her mom and dad back there, so she knows she needs it. It's almost like God's doing that. Wake up. Wake up. I got something for you to do. You're not simply taking up space. I got a purpose for your life. I got some things for you to do. Wake up. Listen. And then I think he's asking us, do you understand what I want you to do? Do you understand what I'm asking of you? You know, I'm afraid today we get lost in ceremony and we forget about substance. He's saying, do you understand what I want for you to do? Do you, do you understand the reason for this church? Do you understand why you're still here? Do you understand you're simply a, a reservoir that my spirit needs to go into that can impact the world? It's not really about you. It's really about me. Do you understand that? James 1.5, if you lack wisdom, then ask God, give it to all men liberally. So... Are you listening? Are you understanding? And number three, are you obeying? Are you obeying? Now, come on. I, I, oh, preacher, this is so hard. Are you obeying what you already know to do? Are you obeying the, th of the things that you know God's dealing with you about? And the things you don't understand, are you trusting him? You know what that's called? Faith. Faith. And so this morning, as God's word goes out, as we've had the privilege of looking at chapter 1 of the book of Revelation and understanding that what God is getting ready to do and what is happening, and we see the signs everywhere, I think it's important to realize that we don't want to get caught up with the, with the, with the, with the play. We want to get caught up with what are we supposed to do. What does God want us to do as a church? What does God want us to do as an individual? What has been the message that he has sent for centuries that has never changed? And the message is this, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. We cannot send our money and our people to the mission field and think that excuses us or relieves us of our responsibility. I, I don't want it to relieve me of my responsibility. I want to be involved with what God's involved with. And my challenge to you is to move out of that apathy. Move out of those distractions. Realize that God's got something for you. God's got an opportunity for you. You need to listen. You need to understand what he's saying and you need to obey what he's saying. And if you do that, the joy and the blessings that come from God. And so this morning,
Do you all see me fold my notes? Did it give you any comfort? I have another set over here. <laughs> Just thought I'd let you know. You never could tell. Well, may I tell you guys, I just uh, hunger for God to work. Don't y'all? I hunger for God to work in my life. I want the rest of my life to be the best of my life. I want to I do all we can for the cause of Christ. And I want you to come along. God has things for you to do.